Chapter One, Part Two of Rangy Pete. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Do you mind slipping me your moniker, cutie, so I'll know you next time from the fairy queens what drift out this way? Still no answer, and Rangy Pete shifted restlessly. When he spoke again, his conversational style became emphasized. If I's you, cutie, with the blue eyes. I'd sort of put a rope on that strayin' bunch of hair what's stickin' out. It's sure purtier than the mornin' sunrise, but that ain't no reason. Rangy Pete paused, for with a quick gesture the rider raised the left hand and tucked the hair back beneath the Stetson. A woman, of course. That motion had betrayed the fact. But how was he to get further proof? There was a way to test it. Suppose he dropped his arms. If it were a man then a bullet would probably zip along in his direction. If a woman, she would not have the nerve to shoot. Rangy Pete grinned some more. A queer testing, but he simply must know if there were a woman with sufficient courage to ride with road agents and share in the holding up of even such a peaceful center as Triple Butte. And if she were a woman, he must know more about her. The puncher shifted the left hand halfway towards his side, but with his gaze fixed intently upon that pair of blue eyes showing between the slits of the mask. In reply there was a bark from the gun in the rider's right hand, and it was only by a hurried jerk of the left arm back to its former position that he escaped the bullet. Rangy looked at the hole in the wall, saw that the bullet had cut through at the exact point where his left arm had been. Then he looked back at the rider and grinned some more. You sure got me guessin', purty eyes, he hazarded. I'd a sweared you's a woman till you pulled that quick-fire stunt. You sure shot to punch a hole in me, and that ain't no kind of a thing what a sweet little girl with blue eyes'd do. Who says it isn't? The voice came clearly, coldly, from the rider with the blue eyes, and though there was a studied thickness in the tones, it became instantly plain to Rangy Pete that its background was the soprano of a female voice. There was a firmness in the tones which demanded attention, and the coldness would have discouraged one less careful than Rangy Pete. Nobody, ma'am, Rangy replied with an affectation of meekness. I just had a fool idea, but it's plumb wrong from finish to start. It's just the kind of thing. Don't call me ma'am, the writer broke in. Call me sir. Yes, ma'am. Sir, I mean. Rangy Pete fell silent for the lack of something impertinent to say, but that did not prevent him enjoying the situation to the full. To be held up at the point of a six-shooter may not have many charms for the average citizen, but Rangy Pete was not of the average. In the first place, he had nothing of which such a situation could rob him, unless it were his life, and according to the teachings which Rangy had imbibed from the Butte districts, life was one of the cheapest of commodities. Two minutes ago he had been quite willing to plan the complete wiping out of the dervishers, with the consequent toll which such process would levy upon the citizens of Triple Butte. He had viewed that undertaking with the same coolness with which he would have approached the branding of so many strays. So now the meekness which came to his lips and to his features was considerably short of par value. Rangy was also finding the novelty of the situation refreshing. In Triple Butte, where Shifty Liz came as near to advertising the charms of the fair sex as did any of its other inhabitants, 
it was a pleasure to rest the eyes upon a nice smoothly rounded chin and to try to draw up a mental picture of what must come between the nicely curving lips and those blue eyes which peered out through the slits in the mask a beauty i'd say rangy reflected aloud a bit young but with lots of staying power did you speak the cold voice came again naw i's just reflectin on the sins of man what don't let no beauties come out this away rangy fell back upon his habit of slurring words it's funny they ain't no purty women in this part of the world don't you think so mister they was one come out here once about three four years ago she hadn't been here a week mister afore they's twenty punchers wantin to marry her so she just naturally packed up and hits the trail for summers else now they ain't a purty woman within fifty mile of triple butte i's just sayin it's funny don't you think so mister rangy pete could see that the blue eyes flashed lots of fire that was the way he liked them if only he could trap her into some further identification of her sex but perhaps you're hatin women the way i do and don't want to say nothin about em rangy pete added hopefully you've said enough you giraffe this ain't a tea party that was very good rangy pete reflected there was not enough venom or coarseness in it for the rider to be a man there was also the faintest the very faintest suggestion that the person was amused rangy pete allowed his eyes to stray past the rider out to the trail of the snaky y then they swerved back to the smooth chin and the clean lips if you's taken my advice rangy suggested you'd be tellin this coyote of an ike colander to mosey along to the other side of the street he ain't no how to be trusted ike ain't that rangy felt would be the final test whether this rider were a precocious boy with a soprano voice or if as he believed now it was a woman a precocious youngster would not shirk the responsibility of guarding two prisoners while a girl with the sense of humor which he hoped she possessed would be quick to see that for some reason or other rangy pete wanted to get all other citizens of triple butte beyond earshot and there should be enough of the female curiosity in her to make her want to know the reason why don't be afraid of ike shootin you in the back or of shootin your pard rangy encouraged for he ain't got a gun make him spin round like a top afore he goes and you can see for yourself there was the least suggestion of a twinkle in the blue eyes ike get out here we'd admire to enjoy your absence the voice came with such coldness that rangy fancied he must have imagined the twinkle in the eyes pronto make it like a jackrabbit or there'll be ventilating holes in your fat hide ike colander did not wait for a second invitation with hands somewhere on a level with his head he hurried across the dusty highway when rangy pete's glance followed from ike colander to the blue eyes in front of him he found a question there which had not been put into words i know you're wantin to know what it's all about miss rangy began confidently but first of all this ain't no hindu trick trying to get paralyzed arms so if you'll let me slip em down to my sides miss you got my word i won't try no fool stunt with you all you gotta do is nod to say yes take out your gun and drop it on the ground the blue-eyed one commanded rangy pete did as told then he grinned broadly you ain't in skirts he said but you're sure innocent don't you know i could have perforated you about a few times when i's doing that 
if I'd wanted to? Yes, but I thought I had your promise to be good. If you want to try it over again, I'll bet you anything you want to mention that there'll be two holes in your hide before you can touch the butt of your gun. Rangy Pete shrugged his shoulders and grinned some more. I'm satisfied, miss, he declared. But I'm telling you, I won't be no ways happy till I get a look at that purty face of yours without a mask on it. They ain't nobody looking, miss, and this is a gay world. Would you mind just slipping off the mask and letting me feast my eyes for a fraction of a second or so? Don't think I've gone loco because I let Ike Collander go. We're holding up the place, and you might be a deputy for all I know. Then where'd I be the next time you saw me? I'm giving you my word I'm just plain rangy Pete, and I'm telling you, girl, that if you don't let me take a peek at them purty cheeks, I'll be doing it some other day. How do you know I'm a girl at all? the voice demanded, and Rangy chuckled to think how far they were from the natural pose of bandit and prisoner. You wouldn't a stood for my guff two minutes if you hadn't been a girl, Rangy returned confidently, and now I'm telling you I got you marked out. They's that little mole round near the left ear, and I sure ain't never gonna forget the set of that chin or them lips. I got you branded, girl. Now I'm guessing you'd better be hitting the trail. Anger seemed to flash into the blue eyes. If you've been playing with me, you ought to be shot, the voice burst out, undoubtedly feminine this time. Say, girl, you got your back set to the snaky wide trail, so you can't see what I'm seeing. Nor your pal across the street can't see it either. Nor that drunken bunch inside can't see it. So it's just a confidential matter between you and me, girl. The rider made a quick motion as though to glance over her shoulder, then turned back hurriedly. No, you don't pull that trick on me. All right, just keep your purty self settin' right where you are, and I'll do all the seein' for the two of us. They's a dust cloud back there on the trail, what looks like a whole army's movin' along this way. But I happen to know it ain't no army. You've heard of Dan Merrill, miss. Roughhouse Dan? What of him? the girl demanded. I got the inside tip what tells me Dan Merrill's back there in that dust cloud, and they's some of his bucko riders with him. You gotta take my word for it when I tell you the cloud's a whole lot bigger'n the one you dervishers made when you come prancin' in for your afternoon call. Now if it weren't for you, miss, I'd a stood here gabbin' with you till that dust cloud kinda swamped the dervishers and blotted em out. That's why I got Ike kicked across the street so's I could tell you sorta of confidential. Girlie, they's two things you can do. You can give the scare sign to Dervisher Dick, or if you happen to have seen plenty of the Dervishers, and think that's enough. Don't call me girly. I won't stand for it. I'm a perfect gentleman. All right, miss, but don't interrupt me that away, for they ain't so much time. I've set on Ike Collander's doorstep often enough to know what them dust clouds mean and this one tells me they's a pretty little bunch of buckos who'll be here inside a half hour. All you gotta do is use your head a bit to know they're thirsty and'll shoot straighter in that bunch of half-tanks across the road what call themselves dervishers. If you let Merrill's crew hit town while the dervishers are here, it'll be goodbye dick, old boy, and a big period at the end of the sentence. I once went to school, miss. That's where I got that. The blue-eyed bandit appeared to ponder the situation for a moment, and even went to the length of a hurried glance over the shoulder. 
Then when the eyes centered back on Rangy Pete, they were cold and deliberate. What's that you've been trying to say about me being fed up on the Dervishers' company? Nothing much. I just sorta got to thinkin' that perhaps a blue-eyed little girlie like you wasn't with the Dervishers cause she wanted to be. Then if that's the case, I knew it didn't have to be the case allus. I could sorta see you settin' there on that hoss till the snaky white buckos hit town. Then I could see you steppin' down and walkin' into Ike's store. Then they'd be me and you scrappin' side by side if it come to a showdown. But they wouldn't be no showdown, for I know the Snaky Y boys, and they'd have Dicky Boy stretched out afore. Rangy Pete paused because of a flash which came to the blue eyes. Stop right there, Mr. Preacher Pete, the voice commanded more coldly than he had yet heard it. Don't try that reforming stunt on me. You're like some other correcting saints I've heard of. You'd reform a body even if you had to kill them to do it. I heard there was a preaching gospel boy in town, but I didn't think he'd look like you do. I'm going to hand you a bit of advice, Mr. Preacher. You can't do any good while you're packing that gun around with you. But I ain't the gospel boy, Rangy Pete broke in peevedly. Ain't you got no eyes, miss? I ain't got on a black coat. Can't you see that? Then, Mr. Rangy Pete, or whoever else you happen to be, did you really think I would sit here and let Merrill's crew sneak up and murder the dervishers? Murder, Pete exclaimed, being reduced to short sentences for the first time in a long period. Yes, Mr. Pete, murder, that is what it would be. And you asked me to be a party to it, and to let that coyote Dan Merrill do it. Gosh, Rangy Pete returned as he watched the growing anger in the girl's eyes. There is only one thing saves you from getting some of that bad blood let out of you, Mr. Pete, and it's my bringing up. My fingers are just itching to put a hole in you, but here's my answer. With that, the blue-eyed rider raised a six-shooter and fired three rapid shots into Ike Collander's newly painted sign. Rangy Pete glanced up and saw that the bullets had cut as neat a triangle as he himself could have done at the same range. In immediate response, there was a rush of men from Tony Burke's saloon and the picture they presented was formidable. The most of them were doubly encumbered, with a six-shooter in the right hand and a glass or bottle of liquor in the left. Their hats were awry, their clothing was even more tousled than when they arrived, and on the whole they presented the appearance of about as reckless a band of cutthroats as even Rangy Pete would care to meet. At their head was Dervisher Dick, who at the distance seemed to be a big swarthy person and who drew the mask over his face as he came into the doorway. Even that is better than Dan Merrill, the girl rider declared, with what Rangy Pete fancied was more than the average show of bitterness. Rangy knew nothing about psychology, yet he felt that the moment was a most opportune one for pressing inquiries upon the blue-eyed rider. Rather, it would have been opportune, except for the booming of Dervisher Dick's voice. Hey, you! What you firing them cannon about? The Dervisher leader bellowed. Can't you see we ain't half liquored up? The girl turned and pointed in the direction of the snaky Y. Dervisher Dick tinted the air with much profanity, and mixed with it was a demand to know who might be riding to the rescue of Triple Butte at this most inappropriate hour. It ain't nobody but a whole army, Rangy Pete informed him across the street. Dan Merrill's riding into town with about forty, fifty riders, that's all. They's a shine on for tonight. Rangy Pete was surprised at the glibness with which the lies sprang to his lips. 
ordinarily the prospect of a fight between punchers and bandits would have had a strong attraction for pete and he would have gone to considerable pains to assist such a function in the direction of its natural climax but just now he found that he was keen to hurry the dervishers out of triple butte and so beyond the possible wrath of dan merrill and his punchers the only reason he could find for this change of viewpoint was the question of the personal safety of this blue-eyed rider immediately in front of him funny ain't it pete remarked to himself then he added aloud yeah dick and they all got their winchesters and they been practicing up cause they's a rifle match on tomorrow with the double k dervisher dick roared out a sound which the bandits interpreted into a command to mount for almost instantly the whole squad was in the center of the road while the two remaining road agents dashed up from the direction of burke laxton's bank get anything the leader demanded locked tighter in a drum and laxton ain't nowhere to be found one of the men informed that don't matter we'll be back dervisher dick declared so long triple butte wait dick the blue-eyed rider called out you're overlooking something well the leader demanded as he pulled his horse in again you know i always did like evaporated apples the girl replied coolly and there's been a full box of them staring me in the face for the last fifteen minutes i know they'll be good because they're marked with dan merrill's name dervisher dick bellowed an exclamation of approval as he leaped from his horse and bounded across the roadway he stooped over the box which had recently been drawn from ike collander's stock to be decorated with the merrill shipping tag and as he fingered the tag he whooped out further approval which may or may not have been due to the unwilling hospitality of tony burke heister up boys i'll carry this myself he roared as he tossed the box to his horse's back and sprang into the saddle tell dan i'm most uncommon grateful dervisher dick called back over his shoulder as he waved a gesture of opprobrium in the direction of triple butte and as the cavalcade sprang into a gallop towards the trail which did not lead to the sneaky y triple butte stood quite still and watched them go being so grateful at the opportunity to rest its palsied arms that it had no thought of sending any bullets in the direction of the retreat now wouldn't that hog tie you rangy pete inquired of himself as the dust swirled down the highway and did that blue-eyed person give me the wink or didn't she rangy pete sighed laboriously then he looked across the highway and the grin returned to his lips the citizens of triple butte as they were gathered before his eyes did not present a heroic spectacle there was too much rubbing and shaking of numbed arms and there were too many vainglorious oaths as to what they would have done under other conditions of them all tony burke was the most outraged for he had lost money and liquor rummy lister and lefty murker were but little more exalted for their prestige could not be said to have improved while their hands were fanning the air above their heads and the particular choice of undesirable words which now slipped from their lips appeared to be chosen with a view to regaining some of the lost dignity buck menzie and lonzo rafters having neither prestige nor dignity of which they could be robbed while their hands were airing were accepting the situation with much less display of anger while the balance of triple butte's line-up were loud in their demands for blood rangy pete picked up his revolver slipped it back into its holster and ambled across the roadway why didn't you do something when i give you the wink tony burke loosened some of his restrained motion you been boastin you could shoot the wings offen bumblebees and yet you stood there with your hands claw in the air you don't mean to say that was you givin me the wink 
Rangy asked innocently. Honest, Tony, I thought you's blinkin' back the tears cause of all that good liquor you lost for nothing. Gosh, Tony, if I'd only a knowed you wanted me to fight, we could just naturally a perforated the dervishers with holes. They got a bad scare. Didn't you see that? They put one whole man to watch over a dozen of you bad boys. And that shows they're kinda scared of Triple Butte. The balance of Rangy's thought was swallowed up in the volume of a unanimous growl which came from a dozen of Triple Butte's citizens. Out of the confusion of that sound there emerged one voice which Rangy Pete could identify. It was Lefty Merker, the set-em-up man, who, still smarting under the threat of lost prestige, felt that it might be well to make a bold stand now. I don't remember seeing you do anything so awful brave, Pete, Merker growled out. What's that I'm a-hearin'? Rangy Pete returned, his voice grown cold and free of all suggestion of humor. I'm thinkin' my ears have been playin' tag with me. Ain't that so, Lefty? Er did I really hear you say something, just some little thing? Rangy Pete stood quite still, in careless pose, his hands resting easily akimbo. But there was something in his voice and manner which told every citizen of Triple Butte within earshot that a crisis was knocking on Lefty Merker's front doorway. Except for that one stranger whom Lefty had dropped with a left-handed shot, Lefty Merker was an unknown quantity in Triple Butte. His reputation as something of a bad man had been manufactured over the bar with the liquors he handed out, and up to date none of the citizens of this semi-peaceful community had cared to dispute the brand which he put upon his manufactured product. So when Rangy Pete used words which challenged Lefty's remarks, Triple Butte forgot instantly that it had recently been visited by the dervishers. The next minute they knew would uncover the real brand upon Lefty Merker. So quietly, almost carelessly, the cluster of men drifted away from the immediate vicinity of Lefty Merker and Rangy Pete. I'm a-waitin' for your answer, Lefty, Rangy Pete went on, while his eyes never left the face of Lefty Merker. My ears ain't always tellin' me the truth, so I'm wanting that you should ease my mind. Did I hear you say something reflectin' about me, Lefty, or didn't I? That's right. Take your time to think it over. They ain't no hurry. They's many a man said words what he's repentin' about now to the angels. Was you thinkin' of takin' a long trip, Lefty? Lefty Merker's shifty eyes flamed, but his hands did not move. He knew the folly of moving either hand, except for the direct purpose of reaching for the gun at his side. Yet it would be an even break. His hands were as near his gun as were Rangy Pete's. Still, there were those stories which he had heard about Rangy's speed with the six-gun. There were also those curious eyes looking him over so coolly. But Lefty Merker was not the type to fight on an even break. All he asked was a sure thing. No, you didn't hear me say nothing about you at all, Lefty Merker spoke grudgingly. I's talking to Tony Burke. They wasn't anything you could do. You had a man over you with a six. That's what I thought I heard you say, Lefty. And I'm sort of glad for you that you didn't say nothing else. Now you can slope it out of sight. Lefty Merker followed the suggestion, but the expression of his shifty features carried with it no promise of peace for the future. Why you want to go pickin' a row with him? Ike Collander asked querulously. Ain't we got enough trouble without that? What you mean by we? You ain't never had no trouble that I ain't had to get you out of. But you're standing around yammering like you allus do, stead of getting a posse ready to chase them dervishers. 
I suppose you'll leave it all to Roughhouse Dan. Pike Collander, as well as the rest of Triple Butte, did appear inclined to leave it to Merrill, and Rangy Pete, in spite of his suggestion, proved even more disposed than the others to trust the question of retribution to the riders from the snaky Y. Tony Burke dashed from his saloon with the excited announcement that his faro funds had been looted, and he found Rangy Pete standing in the roadway still arguing about the effects of the dervisher's visit to Triple Butte and the wisdom of pursuit. They some'll say it won't do us no good to be put on the map by the dervishers, he heard Rangy holding forth, but I ain't got such a narrow-looking view of things as that. They ain't a town in two states but what'll hear Triple Butte's been held up by Wild Dick. Yeah, Buck Menzie, I know they'll laugh. They couldn't do nothing else if they'd a been your paws trying to pick the shingles off'n Tony's roof. But I ain't a-thinkin' of that. And they won't be neither, after they get through laughin'. They'll be thinking, Triple Butte must be some longhorn, or they wouldn't be no band of dervishers coming down here trying to slip their brand on us. Yeah, Buck, it'll do us a lot of good. And that's why I'm sayin' we should be sorta of grateful to Dick and not send no posse after him. Sides, if a posse did go out, I'm thinkin' Triple Butte'd be some less populous afore they got through their target practice. You ain't lost nothing. That's the reason you talk that way, Tony Burke broke into the harangue. Me, I lost. Sure you lost something, Tony. But go on and ease your mind about it, Rangy returned coolly. Tain't polite to stop that away in the middle of the street. You must a lost a lot, Tony. "'Cause you've been tellin' us all along you never made no money out of Faro. "'But that don't matter, Tony. Go on and tell us all about it. "'We got a sort of sympathizin' heart today, and they ain't no sayin', "'but what we might bust out and weep on your shoulder. "'I wouldn't hanker for Dan Merrill to find me weepin' on your neck, Tony. "'But don't think of me when you got something sobby to talk about.' Tony Burke's hasty retreat was the only indication that he intended to withhold the story of his financial losses, and the laugh which followed his withdrawal from the scene told Rangy Pete that the temporarily aroused spirit of Triple Butte was already sinking back into its customary lethargy. Just now lethargy in Triple Butte was what he wanted, though under ordinary conditions he would have been among the first to stir up a posse for a half-day's amusement, chasing the dervishers. There would have been sufficient sport and chance in that to make it well worth the effort, but as Rangy Pete turned about in the roadway and eyed the approaching dust cloud which enveloped the riders from the snaky Y, he told himself that conditions were quite out of the ordinary. Assuredly they were far from the ordinary, for though he had heard much about road agents and had caught a few personal glimpses of these inconsiderate gentlemen, he had never before heard of a band which left any portion of its work to a blue-eyed rider with a girlish chin and lips. Any pursuit on the part of Triple Butte would doubtless lead to indiscriminate shooting, and bullets, Rangy had observed, have no more respect for blue-eyed riders than for black-bearded ones. Rangy Pete was somewhat astonished at this new touch of sentiment, but he could not quite down it as he stood in the roadway and watched the progress of the dust cloud. No, the only thing he could do would be to delay the pursuit of the snaky Y-punchers as long as possible, divert their attention if possible, and give the band of bandits with the blue-eyed mascot an opportunity to vanish into the hills, or into the chaparral, or wherever else they felt most like vanishing. Then after they had vanished, 
there was just a chance that he might drift along in the same direction alone of course and with the sole objective of determining whether or not the balance of that particular rider's face was as attractive as the blue eyes and the round chin what you moonin about you can't put nothing over me a voice interrupted rangy's thoughts i know why you ain't so dog-fired keen to be slopin out after the dervishers it ain't cause you ain't lost nothing cause you never had nothing to lose and you all has been the first to wanna go chasing such folks out of a peaceful life rangy pete carefully eyed the individual at his side then he looked just as carefully about him and discovered that the rest of triple butte was interested entirely in the riders from the snaky y ike rangy returned severely you got a tongue in your head and you've reached the discriminatin years of most nigh forty but you ain't learned yet what a tongue's for they's been more people hung by their tongue than any other way i know about now you've been warned ike so if you want to stick out your tongue and lap it about your neck just go ahead and don't mind me ike collander leered with a daring born of friendship and in a manner which would have made lefty murker envious i ain't gonna say nothing what'll make you sorry for yourself afterwards ike replied as he began the retreat to the general purpose store but i got eyes in my head and i seen the same thing you seen and that sure was a purty chin rangy pete picked up a pebble from the highway and hurled it in the direction of ike collander then he turned about in time to avoid being run down by the foremost rider from the snaky y that rider was dan merrill big broad and swarthy burned by the sun and evidently by his passions with a cold fearless eye a ready gun at his belt and with a voice which did not hesitate to proclaim its owner's wants set em up tony and make em high and long merrill bellowed from the doorway of the saloon as a troop of a dozen riders slithered to a halt behind him rangy pete waited until the thirsty cavalcade had made its way through the doorway then he followed in the same direction he arrived in time to find dan merrill and his punchers surveying a scene of liquid confusion on other occasions rangy had viewed the waste spaces left in the wake of two eager roisterers but he had never before seen any work quite so complete as that which had been done by the dervishers the floor was a litter of broken glasses and dead soldiers while the sawdust which was sprinkled about to give courage to wavering feet was a guttering mess of flowing liquor and the wonderful array of enlivening cheer which had stood so conveniently within the reach of lefty murker's right hand was nothing but a blank of desolation what you been doing tony merrill roared when his first astonishment gave place to words don't you know this isn't the place to break in cayuses cayuses tony burke roared in reply they's been something here worse'n cayuses the dervishers was here not a half hour ago they got all my faro money and if you got any heart dan you'll go get em for me merrill swaggered slightly as he turned about to his band of punchers who had suddenly become grim-faced what you say boys we get em we rope em by the neck replied bill sons who came as near as any man ever did to dominating that band of hard-riding hard-drinking punchers from the snaky y we come to town for a bit of sport we might as well get it bumping off dervishers as any other way which way'd they go merrill demanded took the trail towards the double k burke informed but they'd branch at the little forks and hit for the buttes ain't that about it rangy pete 
They sure ain't loco enough to ride the Double K trail far, cause I know the Double K boys most wells I know you snaky Y buckos, and they'd just naturally pump a whole lot of lead after Dervisher Dick if they ever set eyes on him, Rangy Pete replied in reflective manner, and I'm sorta thinkin' it ain't such awful tough luck for you buckos that they do keep clear of the Double K. Them Double K boys is most awful promiscuous with lead, and I'm hearin' they ain't forgot how Bill Sons downed Baldy Pipper the other day. They're sorta hintin' that Baldy got it from the side stead of lookin' it straight in the face. A silence fell over Tony Burke's saloon. Rangy Pete was leaning easily against the bar, and Bill Sons was conveniently placed less than ten feet distant. The puncher's eyes grew ominous at the words, but when his swift glance took in the fact that Rangy's hands were hanging limply at his sides, he permitted his expression to change, and he broke out into a loud laugh. Mr. Judge Pete, since you want to ride me that away, I'm telling you that Baldy dodged, and that's why he got it in the side. But I ain't gonna tell them Double K boys. They can go on thinking what they want to think, and whenever they want Bill Sons, he won't be hanging back none from obligin'. That's awful polite of you, Bill, Rangy Pete declared. With them kind words I'm thinking I'll throw a saddle on my cayuse after a while and fly down to the double K with a sprig of olive in my teeth. Now if it's all the same to you, I'll be slipping behind the bar to help Lefty Merker set em up. Lefty got a scare a few minutes ago, and he's apt to break things less he gets some help. Rangy Pete assisted at the liquidating ceremony, and he assisted so freely and readily that the sneaky Y punchers could hardly place an emptied glass upon the bar before it was brimming again. They ain't no use holdin' back, boys, Rangy encouraged. This here is on the house, cause Tony's gonna say it is after a while. Rummy Lister should be doin' this, but he got a scare too, and he's summers back behind nursin' a grouch. It ain't no fun stickin' your paws in the air for fifteen minutes while a gun's lookin' you between the eyes and askin' for business. Rummy sorta lost his angora, but he'll be right fit tomorrow. Dan Merrill seemed oppressed with a new thought for he suddenly roared out with more bellowing volume than he had yet displayed. I'd sort of forgot to ask what all you men was a-doing when the dervishers was here. I don't remember no wise hearin' shots, and I don't see no wrecks, nor no sawbones at work. Was you all standin' with your paws in the air, Pete? We sure was, Dan, Rangy Pete replied soberly. I was a-reachin' up all a time tryin' to hand Ike Collander's chimbley down to one of them road agents. He sorta of seemed to be takin' a hankerin' for that chimbley, and you know what an obligin' cuss I am. I kept on a-reachin' and a-reachin', but I didn't get it, Dan. But you should have seen the rest. They's a whole dozen of them got both hands up and sayin', Please, teacher, to a poor little road agent what's a-tremblin' in his shoes. Dan Merrill roared with every evidence of delight. If that's what happened, boys, we'll let the dervishers go, Merrill declared when he was able to command his voice again. Triple Butte's some fightin' little town. It's wild hosses all over again. And I ain't gonna take no risks of draggin' my poor boys into no kind of a big fight what Triple Butte'd start. No, sir, not me. They don't get me into no world war like that. Roughhouse Dan roared with further delight, a portion of which was appreciation of his own vocal effort. He was still mixing laughter with liquor when Tony Burke flared at him. That's my liquor you're drinking, Dan Merrill, and I'm asking you to go after them dervishers. Ain't I been telling you they got my faro layout? But Merrill's merriment went unchecked. 
It ought to be worth it to see you fellers stickin' your paws into the air, Merrill declared. If you'll go out and do it all over again, Tony, I'll foot the bill what the dervishers run up against that faro joint. You're laughing too soon, Dan Merrill. Buck Menzie came to the rescue of Tony Burke. They's such a thing as laughing at the other side of the face. What might you be meanin' by that, Buck? Merrill demanded, with an abrupt dropping of humor. If you got something to say, say it. But if you ain't, I'll be pitchin' you out in the dust. They lifted something of yours, that's all I wanna say, Menzie returned. They took that box of evaporated apples what come in for you on the stage this mornin'. Good heavens, Merrill exclaimed, with a swift glance about his band of punchers. But you're lyin', Buck. Lyin' nothin', Menzie flared. If you don't think so, ask Rangy Pete. He's standin' right on top of them at the time. That right, Pete? Merrill asked excitedly. Did the dervishers get my box of evaporated apples? I wouldn't want to say nothin' for sure about that, Rangy reflected calmly. I wouldn't say they was your apples, but they was a box of evaporated apples on Ike Collander's front steps, and they had on em a tag what had your name on it. That's the box the dervishers took. Maybe they's yours, and maybe not. A surprising change came over Dan Merrill. With a few swift words he whipped his men into action. Glasses were hastily put upon the bar with their contents but half consumed, and there was a hurried racing for the horses still standing in the center of the roadway. Rangy Pete followed to the doorway, and he saw that Dan Merrill, big, swarthy, and restless, was already mounted at the head of his band of riders. They went the double-K trail? Merrill demanded again. They sure did, Tony Burke called back as the troop spurred the drooping cayuses into life and swirled down the roadway amid a cloud of dust. Rangy Pete crossed the road to Ike Collander's steps, and there, with the curious Ike peering through the doorway, he stood and watched the cloud of dust sweeping its way along the trail so recently taken by the dervishers. Pete turned about and faced the astonished Ike. Ike Collander, he drawled deliberately. You see what happened? I told you Dan Merrill had a weak spot you could stick a finger through. I've been known to wrassle a flock of red-eye in my day, but I'm thanking my guidin' stars I ain't no evaporated apple fiend. End of chapter 1